Thanks for tuning in to Jin and Tantra. In this episode, we continue our discussion on suffering and the Four Noble Truths as taught in Buddhist philosophy. We highlight the various means of learning and the presence, or lack of a, universal guiding force, in addition to the problem with intelligent design. We titled this episode, Why Do Bad Things Happen?, because we are talking about suffering. And given today's climate of the mass suffering around the world, we don't necessarily want to dive into this topic out of negativity, but more as to highlight a lens as to perhaps how we can change our perspective and give ourselves a moment of clarity so we can navigate these obstacles with a bit more ease and a bit more light. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Jin and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by, and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail. Your spirit has been longing for. I want you to get together. Now, isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. Hey, fellow tears those of us who like our spirituality with a twist, we are continuing our series on suffering. <laughs> and I laugh because in the pre-show meeting, Daniel and I were saying, we're talking about how you know we're we're due to do a whole series of episodes on sex positivity, <laughs> but we had started these ones on suffering, <laughs> so we have to delay gratify, delay gratify, until we get to those episodes while we finish up this this obviously very important subject matter. You know, but and isn't that like isn't said, that sexual in nature, Eric? Delaying your gratification only for increased gratification at a later time. It's kind of like a big edging episode exercise over these episodes where it's going to edge and edge and edge, suffer, suffer, suffer until we finally get the bliss, as they would say. Please. Yes. Right? <laughs> the Mahasuka. Uh-huh. Um, the great bliss. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, so it, it is a kind of an interesting thing. We're going to continue on with this. We're, we're covering kind of the middle stages of the Buddhist tantric path, which is this thing called the Four Noble Truths. And the first noble truth is a big discussion about like uh, this thing called dukkha, dissatisfactoriness, and we've been exploring the different components of this. Um, I had a conversation with uh, Justin Key, friend of the show and personal friend of mine. You can check out his uh, yellow episodes with us. And I actually want to have him on at some point talking about the law because there's so much happening in the law now. He's a yeah. legal person, legal. He's a you know law degree, knows a lot about the law, obviously then. And just thinks a lot deeply about law and what it means. So hopefully we'll do some episodes around that. We alluded to it last week. We didn't really fully say it, but Roe versus Wade is going down. And <clears throat> just what, how the law impacts people, I thought would be an important thing for us to do in terms of our episodes. Anyways, I was bouncing these causes of suffering that we were doing in the episodes, Daniel, off of him. And he's not a Buddhist person. <laughs> not really. You know, he likes Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance, I guess. It's about as Buddhist as he gets, you know. Um, and he was like, uh, like uh, going, yeah, that's all true. And I was like, yeah, he was like, I'm with this whole conversation. So it is a, it is an, an, uh, a subject that is um, important and probably Buddhism does talk about it in a very honest way, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we covered that part. And I, I guess this episode, before we move on to other things, is going to be probably like qualms and doubts could be the title of this episode, or, or at least it's the subject matter of the episode. Like, where do we feel that there are questions that need to be asked? I guess either personally or maybe questions that people might have about this. Um, and we've been like, had the, we've had this one question lingering, Daniel. So I guess I'll throw it over to you. You know, you seem to be the person who like will probably voice this even better than me because you've been thinking about it more than I have. So um, just when people ask about the suffering in terms of, well, isn't there a plan to things and isn't the suffering part of a meaning or isn't there some kind of soul contracts between people? These kinds of ideas. So I don't know, how do you want to phrase that? <laughs> I'll throw it to you. No, I think that's probably a good way of putting it. You know, it was like the question around all of that is why, right? Why the, why the suffering? And the, the truth of the matter is that I don't know why. You know, I, the, the uh, truth is I, I don't know why. And it's interesting because as, you know, as we talk about these things, as we grow, as people learn about 
you know, life in general, our perspective changes, we grow, you know, and so things start to evolve, right? And we look to find meaning in places that maybe it is not so obvious, and then extrapolate something that we can sort of implement into our, our own lives to learn and move forward. And so this is why I brought this question up earlier, because we're, you know, breaking down suffering, the next few episode or episode or two will be on the causes of suffering, and then how to you know work with it. This is kind of where we're going, but we're just sort of talking about it in general now. And and I think a lot of the sort of legitimate like new age spirituality questions around this. Uh, I know we kind of bash on new age stuff, but you know there's some there's some good stuff that's come out of that movement. And one of that is this idea of you know why is all this happening, right? Is there like you said a plan? Is there you know some writing on the in, of the you know, invisible hand that's writing all the stories. I personally, even though I can't prove things right or wrong, I just, at this point, kind of what's, what feels good and trying to intuit from what I'm oh, seeing. It seems mind. true in terms of this place where you're at now. Yeah. Like yeah. That. And, mm-hmm. and I think I could say that like, it does feel better and it seems more apropos to my life and the way that I look at it and the way that it, it seems in my patients' lives in particular, it's even more clear with that that people's um, struggles in life are obstacles for them to go through and for them to learn. Now, I realize in, in a gross sense, that may seem insensitive, right? You'd be like, oh, really? This kid walked over a landmine in, the Philipp- uh, in Vietnam, and so now he doesn't have any legs. That's his obstacle to get over. I'm not justifying suffering. This is not a justification. This is one person's view without any power, you know, I don't have power to reduce that or change things. However, if I feel like the universe is just a random sequence of events, then I am just, you know, one little turd floating around on a rock, you know, spinning in space. But I don't want to, that's not a universe that I live in, you know, Uh that's not a universe where I live in. So I think there, I think in a little bit of both, right? I think there are, you know, random things at least they seem random maybe i can't explain them so therefore to me they're random but then there are totally other times that people have probably experienced in their own lives and listeners you know take a moment to think about this that something has happened that you didn't expect at all but it was totally awesome you know either in the moment or later in life and you're like man i was told no 10 times and finally when i found the right one it was so perfect you know it was almost like it was uh... designed this is freaky. This is my inner Daniel coming out because you're the person who usually says this, but I've had a dream of us having this fucking conversation. <laughs> this podcast. There's stuff that like is coming up in this that like I've dreamt this shit, that this conversation, like, okay. Just if I look a little like, <laughs> it's because I'm like, I dreamt this shit wow. that we talked about this. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's cool. Okay. You know? So I think you know, in, in teaching this, the shamanic course for so many years, people start getting tapped into a little bit more nature, especially if you're even outside in nature, especially it's a little bit nicer here in the Midwest, fortunately, finally, you know, we're spending more time outside. You can kind of get the sense that like sometimes in some way, and it's just me, that the environment speaks, you know, the universe will kind of speak, your life will start to speak to you in different ways. And it's not always so obvious, but I think if you can, if you can kind of feel that a little bit, then the, the fact that like, or at least the idea that the universe has some flow to it, that's moving in some direction that maybe it's not so random that because you blew out your tire at a random red light and somebody came up and helped you and they knew somebody who was going to help you do something later in life doesn't seem random anymore. You know, like the story that we were talking about uh, before with the podcast editor, you know? Yes. Yeah. Daniel feels like he's found us a podcast editor who showed up serendipitously and synchronistically into his life. Yeah. So <laughs> and I was like, I can't argue with that. You know? Right. I would still want to know. You still both want to know how much it's going to cost. Oh, of course. <laughs> always. You know, everything's got a cost. But if it's good, you know, we'll be happy to promote her. But right now we shall not say her name. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So I'll do my little role in this okay so we kind of glitched for a second 
We did. We were glitching. I froze and glitched. I don't know how goofy a position I was in. It's um, it's always a dangerous zoom. Frozen with some <laughs> goof-ass look on your face. Okay, so, uh, okay, I'm going to do my little thing on this. First thing I want to say uh, uh, is just uh, that, you know, I total respect for the sincerity of new age people. You know, I got a lot of students and patients and people I know in my life who are kind of more oriented that way. So I think when we talk about this stuff, we try to do it in a respectful manner, you know, and I think our idea is just to uh, talk it through, right? Um, and then, you know, I think it like, it starts to go into other traditions too. So let me kick this around and we'll, we'll, we'll see what you think, Daniel. So mm -hmm. for me, and like uh, from a new age perspective, what you get a lot is people sort of having these soul contract kind of things, Yeah, you know, where the idea goes that people somehow even met before this life began and they kind of like, you know, uh, there was a sort of agreement in the spirit, soul, whatever you want to call it between the different people to share these certain kinds of experiences because they would be learning experiences for each person or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. This is the basic thing. I think that's the big new agey idea as far as I understand it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. And I think the, the couple of books that that kind of comes from is uh, Destiny of Souls and Journey of Souls from uh, he's a psychiatrist from California who in the course of his sessions would bring people back to their childhood in sort of meditative kind of a state and then found that they were going could go further back in between lives, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess they're going back to remember some kind of soul contract that, you know, they're not going back to remember other stuff or something right, like that. Right. Mm -hmm. That's very hard to like, you know, talk about people's experiences. If you have an experience, what are you going to say that your experience didn't happen to somebody else? That seems not, not right. Mm -hmm. All I can say is just, um, you know, where there's doubts about this or where there might be like, like uh, Buddhist doubts about things and uh, Buddhist tantric doubts about things. And in saying that, that's okay to point out that there's doubts. I got doubts about stuff that Buddhist Tantra says. <laughs> That's totally fine. You know, mm -hmm. you know if you're going to like uh, question things, you're going to question. So I think the question about that, it, it does raise a weird question to my mind of like what you were bringing up. Like, does it take suffering seriously enough? And it's really hard to imagine like, okay, we had a soul contract. I'm your father. You're my child. And I'm going to abuse you. What the hell would that even mean? Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and if you can go, you can go to uglier things besides that. Right. So what would the soul contract be? You know, it, it's a weird thing. And again, I'm not trying to be a hater, but like, uh, if you want to get really ugly, what were people's soul contracts with like Ted Bundy? I, it doesn't, it's a hard thing. And again, it's not meant to be trashing anything. I have similar problems with things that they say in Buddhism and Buddhist Tantra, that's totally fine. Like there's parts where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I can like accept that, that thing, but I have a very hard time accepting that because I don't know if it takes suffering seriously enough. So that'd be one of my qualms about that thing. I know, what do you think about that, Daniel? No, I mean, I think it makes sense. And I think this is kind of the thing that I was trying to address. I think it's trying- yeah, you were talking about with the landmine and all that, like, you know. Yeah. But people are gonna do terrible things to one another, you know? So what's the soul sure. contract there? I don't you know? know. I don't know. To me, it's just a, not just because it's minimal minimizing, but to me, it's a way of, tr of trying to explain things that are seemingly un inexplicable. And so you, you, you put something, you know, some label, some definition on it, and it helps to give a bit of a frame of reference, take it from the unpotentiated sort of universal possibility and bring it into something that's comprehensible and relatable. That to me is what we're trying to do. But that, like, I think there's no doubt, I think from no matter what perspective it is, Buddhist, Taoist, Tantric, Zen, bleh, whatever, <laughs> New Age, anybody, Kabbalist, uh, you can go on and on to like find like, when, when like terrible things happen to you, to people you love happen in the world at large, it's good to like search for how you can learn and find meaning in that. Mm hmm regardless of what you think the cause of that is, I still think that's the healthiest attitude to take, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's framed in different ways in like different perspectives. But I think overall, big picture, you can, I, I totally agree, you know, uh, that you can, um, that you can, where you can learn, you can learn, right? Yes. If I get real personal, and that's our gist on the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when my dad passed away, and he died of cancer in 2007. 
there's a number of tales to tell around that. But, you know, just for what we're talking about here, after he passed away, well, okay, I should say, you know, he was in, he, you know, we were doing hospice at home. He was comatose for part of, you know, uh, for the major part of doing the hospice. Actually, it was acupuncture that popped him out of the coma. Different story. But um, uh, during that time, I would like, I would hold his hand or like, even like Chinese medical wise, just hold his wrist and hold his pulse. You know, just feeling him like through the, the touch, the skin, either the hand or resting on the pulse. Sometimes you feel someone's blood flowing and you feel that connection yeah. with them, right? It's a bit of a Chinese medical thing to say the, the mind, the spirit is connected to the heart, which is connected to the blood, which is connected to the vessels. So when you feel someone's vessels, you know, sometimes you really get this feeling like connecting with them. Mm -hmm. So my thing was I was meditating and like uh, uh, connecting with him. And at the time I was doing lots of Kabbalistic meditations on letters. So that was like, that was, you know, one of my big practices at the time. So I was doing that as I was kind of feeling him. And I felt like, uh, as I was you know, kind of feeling that touch too. And I felt like there was, um, as you can often have with people, I felt like in a certain sense, we were talking with one another, mm. you know? And we, yeah, we, we, you know, uh, we have these experiences, right? You know, someone's far away, but you're still talking with them yeah. or someone is there. My dad's not able to talk, but we're still talking. And maybe it was like um, some part of, uh, you know, uh, who I was, you know, my spirit or soul or Shen, if you want to use the Chinese medical word, talking with some part of his. And it was sort of a clarifying set of experiences. I'd grown up in kind of an abusive household. My dad had definitely was a troubled person, you know. Um, a lot of that stuff we'd kind of like put behind us. So we were at peace with one another for sure. Sure. But there was a conversation that was happening. And, uh, you know, after he, after he died, it was, there was a, like a, it was a weird set of like, uh, uh, emotions around it. It wasn't just grief. Um, I had done this acupuncture. I had kind of popped him out of this coma. We had been able to say that we love one another. Hmm. Yeah, so there was a power in that reconnecting when you thought you weren't going to. So it was a weird mix of emotions. It wasn't just sadness and grief, though, certainly, right? But there was also something else happening. And I felt like there was sort of a connection between the two of us that happened that was kind of powerful. So there was a, like, a rush is a wrong word, but it's kind of like that. You know, there was something that happened. And it was very powerful for me. <clears throat> and I felt like part of the communication was... And this is the closest, I guess, I'll get to New Agey. <laughs> um, part of the communication I felt was that he was saying that he was very tough on me. But he felt like in some spiritual way that he needed to kind of like steal me because he knew I would need that kind of toughness to do the things I would need to do in this life. And he kind of seemed to say, and this is the, at least the way it felt to me, sure. that it had grown out of like, some kind of connection we had had like through Zen in some previous lives or something. Zen can be pretty badass and kind of harsh, right? You, you steal people. Sometimes in Japan, Zen training is compared to like making a sword where you like pound the steel of the sword over and over again until it gets to be like a, like a well-made blade, you know? You, so it's not an easy, I mean, it's, it's, it's recognizing that like growth and development, psycho-spiritual change and people's psychological change can be like that. You know, there's a, you have to develop a certain kind of toughness from tougher experiences. So he, like the vibe I got from him was really this feeling of that was part of our relationship with one another, mm. you know, that he was stealing me because he kind of knew I'd have to have that toughness, that edge to me, if we want to use like the blade thing. And yeah. When do you do the say, things I needed to do in life. When you mm -hmm. say steal, you mean steal, S-T-E-E-L, not like. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not like, yeah. Not like he's thieving something from me. Right. <laughs> but like the, like, not like he took the sword away and like <laughs> broke it and. <laughs> That my dad was perfectly capable of shit like that. Mm. <laughs> Very capable of stuff like that. Mm. No, but like stealing the blade, like making it stronger, you know, yeah. like metallurgy kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, it was a deep experience and it changed the way his passing felt to me because it felt um, um, very, what would you say? There's a strong resolution to it. Mm. You know, hmm. there was like a closure, I guess, would probably be the word we use in English, right? Closure. And so I felt like this weird mix of emotions. It wasn't just grief. There was this rush of the connection I felt with him, you know? 
and I tried to explain it to people. <laughs> this is where I'm, I'm empathetic to the new age thing too. I tried to explain to people, like I remember talking with a friend of mine, I called him on the phone and I was like, just walking around, you know, like in the, uh, the aftermath of an event like that, there was this weird adrenaline rush thing happening, you know? Right. right. And I was talking to my friend and he was just like, no, <laughs> what you're describing isn't a thing. Like he was very like, you know, I mean, he was like relatively nice about it, but wanted to make it very clear <laughs> that he didn't understand what I was saying and it wasn't the case. <laughs> and I was like, no, I was trying to say, this is an experience that I had. Yeah. Uh, and it meant, you know, it obviously meant a lot with that. So, okay. If I look at like um, soul contracty stuff, that's probably the closest. That's, it's not the only one, but that's certainly like my closest personal experience around something like that, where I felt like, okay, that's really something like a soul contract experience. Right. So, you know, when I've heard students or other people talk about this in more of this new age way, I'm like, not, um, I like, I can, I can understand the experiential part of it. Mm. And, you know, there's never any time, anything I want to do, especially in a podcast like, like this, where I want to like uh, invalidate someone's experiential right. thing, you know, because, you know, that's part of how you learn, right? Yes. That's one of the four ways you learn through experience, right? In Buddhism, right? You learn from teachers, you learn from texts, you learn from experience, you learn from your own spirit. So you're learning. I know, I, uh, like, uh, so, okay, someone, someone had to ask you, where's your soul contracty thing? Do you feel like you've had soul contracty things, experiences in some ways? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing it out. Maybe I hadn't a lot of chance to think about this ahead of time. But. Yeah, I haven't. I, I didn't get a chance to think about it. Not, not, I wasn't not, even thinking about this before this episode. It just suddenly hit me about my dad. Yeah, that was my experience of that. Yeah, you know, yeah, there, there is one, but I don't think, I, I don't have, I don't know if I have permission to share it. So, I mean, there's probably gotcha. more that I can think of, but I don't know. I mean, I think this is a good question though. You know, I mean, sometimes- I we, definitely have had like, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, let me cut you off. Yeah. No, sometimes we'll pose questions and, and give responses, but like, I, I think it's okay, like to just leave it as a question, you know, for people to think <laughs> about like, and legitimately, is there- is there times where people have had something that seemed that way that like it almost like I don't want to say necessary evil because then it feels like everything that's necessary is evil but like a, a sort of a, a I don't know a life affirming kind of experience that seemed like it was almost destined to occur that seems like like if you look at the experience of my dad that seemed life affirming because he was like okay I know that I was harsh with you mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. and here's like at least part of how I thought about that, you know, whether we had arranged that ahead of time, I don't know if I, I, that didn't come through to me. Yeah. It's hard to know. It felt, it felt more like something like we had this history somewhere in our string of lives going back, we had crossed paths and we had had this relationship with one another. Right. And he was continuing on with something that he thought was important for me or something. Now, yeah, he would never answer that consciously. This is a weird experience. You know, it's someone saying something that they wouldn't say. Right. But um, I mean, that was, I guess that's something like that. Okay. So what's the, what's the, what's the qualm about that? Well, one qualm could be, you're not taking suffering seriously enough. That could sure. be a qualm. Uh, another qualm could be, I, I've had, and this is like something that is brought up, like probably specifically from like a Buddhist Tantra point of view or something like, but like, it's almost this idea, like there's like different parts of yourself and you need to teach the dumb part of yourself. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> to understand what the smart part of yourself knows sure. <laughs> and it's almost like why wouldn't the smart part of yourself just tell the dumb part of yourself <laughs> without having to get its ass kicked over and over again <laughs> now you could say that's like ego or something like that but i'm always a little bit suspicious whenever anyone pulls out the ego idea yeah i think you know from uh, a from that a you need to get your ego beaten up or something like that i'm always a little bit like mm, i don't know well, from, you know, if we could look at it from a, uh, a somatic perspective, you know, one, one reason for which it's ritual is important is that like it, the body is doing it, you know, like the body has to go through that thing. Someone's, you know, if like you're teaching someone something, a skill or a, how to do a thing and they go, yeah, I got it. You're like, no, you just watched me do it. You haven't done it, the thing yourself. So no, yeah. your mind thinks you have it, but do your hands have it? Does your body have it? No, you actually actually have to kind of repeat it and do it. So maybe there's something about like performing or acting out. Having it more embodied than going through an experience that brings yes. it home or something. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, because we are embodied creatures. Therefore, you know, we have to kind of give credence to the thing that we're residing. I think like if you like, yeah, again, I got no issue with what you're saying at all. I think like, mm, I want to do this justice, but I might not be. I think when the Dalai Lama's talked about this, he'd said things like, you don't tend to think that way in Buddhism because you don't tend to like think of, um, there's a deeper core to who the person is for right. sure. But you don't think of that as being like, um, hmm like trying to teach something to the other part and the other part doesn't get it. So you have to make a soul contract with somebody else to like, you know, mm. kick the crap out of you. Right. Please <laughs> which, punch me. which is, it's just the exact opposite. But I just saying with my experience with my dad, that's contradictory, but what all can do is just say, it's, it's uh, something I, I, I don't know, you know, about that part, but there's like, I guess, reasons to be a little skeptical about that. I suppose the big one for me would be like, then you seem like you're, you're, people go through horrendous experiences and it's hard to believe they have soul contracts that would be like, okay, let's do this. Contract. Right. What? And that's what I was saying. I don't want to feel, I don't want it to seem like I'm minimizing suffering. Yeah. Agreed. And that, but that's like, not, that's not on you. That's just, what would you call it? It's an observation or a, a doubt about that whole thing. Right. You know, I'm not right. trying to say it's not true, but that's the thing that you'd have to like wonder about because there'd yes. be a doubt about that. Yeah. And you could say, well, I have this, I only have soul contracts with the people I'm close with or something. So I didn't have a soul contract with John Wayne Gacy. He just did that to me. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, now, you know you're I mean? now it's a cherry pick kind of a thing, you know, like, but I, it, I mean, it could be true, you know, <laughs> I mean, that could be how it works, but you know, then a lot of times it's your loved ones that are doing the shittiest things to you. Correct. So I don't know. So I mean, I, I, I think, okay, that's it. That's the, I think that's the doubt, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, the other part of it that I think is kind of interesting, and we'll, I'm sure we're going to double back on these when we look at like causes of suffering, is we're going to do the suffering itself, what causes it, and then, you know, um, uh, solutions, right? We'll try to do the Buddhist thing justice, tantric Buddhist thing justice. All right, so the other part is, um, you know, that there might be a, like a, a designer or creator that's creating sign of something, right? And we're all kind of like learning within this creation or something like that. Sure. Okay. So um, that's another way of thinking about this. And actually, when I was listening to you talk, at least to my ears, I almost heard both of those sets of ideas coming through there. Mm -hmm. Like, are things just random or is there some kind of like purpose behind them? You know, and then the purposes could be, well, I made these soul contracts. Or the purposes could be things like there's a designer that's like creating something you know, for us to go through. And um, again, uh, we'll just, we'll explore the range of this as we continue on with these episodes. But to my mind, well, first I should say there are people I respect who talk this way. Right. Uh, so in our little Chinese medical part of the world, there's Jeffrey Yuan, who's a, you know, a Taoist priest and Chinese medical clinician. Um, actually, I think he and I are like, a, like Taoist, uh, like a, buddies or something <laughs> ritually speaking because we went through the same initiation together <laughs> oh, okay so in any case um it was a huge initiation it wasn't it wasn't he and i like holding hands and like going to the ritual but we did do and a lot of times when you talk about this in the asian spiritual world you say if you get initiation with some at the same time you're like dharma friends you know you're part of the same sangha or something Anyways, he's very nice. He's always like, I haven't inter- interacted with him a ton, but he's always been extremely nice to me. And I, you know, I respect him. And he sometimes uses this word, like we're all here to go through our, this phrase, we're all here to go through our curriculum. Mm. Our life is like a curriculum. They use that same kind of language in uh, A Course in Miracles. They call it the- Interesting, life. yeah, okay. Yeah, life as the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I can say, actually, when I was quite young, I had a dream- that like I didn't go all the way up into like the white cloud, but I ended up somewhere in between. And when I came through the mist, I was sitting in a classroom. And who was teaching? Cla- <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember who was teaching, but okay. it was, like at first, the classroom was full with other students. And mm-hmm. then as soon as I recognized I was sitting in this classroom, they were gone in a poof, and it was just me and the teacher. Uh-huh. You know, and they and and I don't remember exactly what they said, but it was life le- like life things that were happening. You know, uh-huh. that, that dream stuck with me. I'm just remembering it now, actually, for the first time in a really long time. So yeah, this, this whole podcast is so weird. We're, man, <laughs> we, do, right. we, do, we do weird shit on this thing. Well, I, you know, I, I have been doing it's interesting. Like I mean, a lot of times it's like you don't know what's going to pop in your head, though. You know, it's going to be like a part of our conversation here. 
Well, I have been doing Qigong for the last couple of weeks. So, you know, maybe there's, uh-huh. we're building it up. Something's being built. Yeah. It is springtime too, though. You know, the yang is in the air. Mm. Okay. So I remember in, uh, you know, Robert Thurman's lectures he did on uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead or the Book of the Bardo, right? This mm. book about the reincarnation process that he mm. translated and he has these lectures on them and they're very good, you know? Yeah. I think I yeah. mentioned them actually in when we were interviewing him. Yeah. Um, but in any case, he tells this story as Eric, I remember it. Eric, um, uh, for those who are interested, I think those are called liberation upon hearing in the between. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And and they can, you know, there's uh, you can get them in audio book and you can get them um, and anywhere, you know, and you can get them also as the, in, in the written text, but liberation upon hearing in the between. So they're, they're yeah, I got good. mine through like Audible or something, but I imagine yeah. probably even iTunes has it. Yeah. They're having most of those things. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get the other version and he's obviously fun to listen to. Yeah. So, um, so I think he says something about, um, there was a near death experience and the woman was, she was Christian and he was just like, you know, walking through, you know, she just wrote about this and he'd read the book and he's all oh, this is so interesting, even from yeah. like a, the point of view of the, the Buddhist side, because she dies and then she experienced herself going to a classroom. <laughs> and uh, Jesus was teaching the class and she said it was just so great she was so happy you know being there you know and I don't know if when Thurman was talking about it, I don't she didn't he didn't describe what he was teaching exactly maybe she didn't even fully remember but she remembered feeling this joy of being there you know and at some point she started to feel like oh this is ending this is ending and I know if Jesus went like this <laughs> like you're going on the roller coaster ride Jesus is like okay buckle up see ya <laughs> yeah, but she she went and then you know she came back to life you know, mm. and that was her experience, this, this classroom experience, hard to argue with. There's, you know? a, there's another book that I read called The Scalpel and the Soul. And it's, I don't know if you've ever read it before, but it's- The person who wrote it, because I know some of the MDs who are interested in this stuff. Yeah, he's an MD. The guy I might recognize the name, if the, if, but if you can't catch the I, name, that's I fine. I forgot, too. yeah, I won't remember, mm-hmm. but he, he's, a, and he's a surgeon, you know, mm-hmm. and he talks and then he ends up going to like, africa or somewhere down you know whatever and almost loses his life and then then gives these stories after that about when he goes back into his practice about all these miraculous things that occurred on his table you know that uh-huh. totally well, certainly like near de- near death experiences right yes yes mm-hmm. that totally shifted his view and he was before a total materialist you know like when you're dead that's it the body's just there's a guy named like eben alexander or something does that name ring about I'll, I'll, I'll take a look Anyways, yeah, like, yeah, I've, there's a number of uh, the MDs who kind of have those things where they like are convinced by, you know, uh, NDEs, right? Mm-hmm. Even near death experiences. Um, Scalpel and the Soul Encounters with Surgery, the Supernatural and the Healing Power of Hope by Alan Hamilton. Okay, different person. <clears throat> I don't know if I'm familiar with that one. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Uh, you could buy it for a dollar on eBay. So, you know. <laughs> at the time to read it if it's an audiobook and i can get it i'll be able to listen yeah um okay so so that's you know like i think in, the reason why this doesn't fly as much from the buddhist tantra point of view this designer idea this curriculum idea is probably you know not probably it's really because there isn't this idea like there's some grand designer you know setting this thing up right hmm. we haven't really we talked about you know, the concept of divinity in different episodes. Mm-hmm. I think maybe we did it with Mary Kay Ryan too, if I'm remembering right. Yeah. But um, this is like this big problem of uh, suffering again, right? And uh, technically speaking, this thing is called theodicy. This problem of like, if there's this divine force that's creating and designing everything, basically like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why does it look like this? Why is this all so fucked up? If this is like coming from some big design yeah the term is is actually coined i think if i remember the history right from uh, the great mathematician uh, uh leibniz you know it's one of the people who came up with calculus and he's a you know a mathematician philosopher and all that and he just first started asking this question you know and uh so i suppose from a buddhist tantric point of view that's the problem with that perspective right you know you end up with this problem of like why would there be this creative design that is so, um, you know, harsh and uh, so you can learn? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a, that's, if you ask, the, again, if you were to ask the Dalai Lama, he would pose that question. And that, that's not trying to like, uh, you know, uh, 
trash anybody's beliefs or anything, but that is a question. And like, sure. you got to figure out what to do with it. You know, right. if you're within that perspective, you know, you got to figure out what you think that means. Well, right? and I mean, I think to wrestle with one's faith is to mm-hmm. ask and find answers. You know, answers doesn't have to be definitive. Oh, this is why. This is the only reason why. No, everything is contextual, right? But to, to but to, to wrestle with it in your mind and in your heart and, and, and with your faith to find out like, okay, where is the line that I'm willing to accept? And where is the line that I'm willing to push back on? I mean, we do have independence. You know, I can choose to think whatever I, I am capable of thinking. Um, and I don't know, you know, I mean, I mean, this is why we do this thing is to ask what, you know, to pose well, questions. Are, we've right? said before, there are spiritual traditions that I love that I've learned a lot from, but it yeah. gets to some point and I'm like, oh, this point bugs me. This point, mm, I'm not okay with this part right. of this thing. And that's okay right that's okay even if it's like kind of what a qualm like that it's not a small point i know do you know uh bart ehrman no okay so he's a he's a scholar of the new testament okay and he uh, you know wrote this book called misquoting jesus he wrote this mm. book about jesus interrupted i mean you might know the titles or something i've heard um, misquoting yeah jesus before. so they're they're interesting books you know he really kind of is a historian more than anything else and he's writing about how Christianity kind of developed. Mm. You know, I think he has one called like how Jesus became God. You know, he's asking these historical questions of how the tradition developed. But he does tell his own life story in, in the beginning of uh, the, the books, right? And like the tale he tells is that he was originally like a born again Christian. Mm. And he had connections to even like the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Like he went here for school in Chicago oh, wow. with this, you know, so like serious born again stuff. You want to say, say, say something about the Moody Bible Institute here in Chicago, Eric, because it's not like you hear with those, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. I don't even know. I mean, I can't say I know a ton about it, but it's no. a really conservative born again, biblical inerrancy. The Bible is perfect in every word kind of a place. That's like kind of its thing, mm. right? Yeah, I don't do anything else more about that. No, That's what I, I know I, about. Yeah, okay, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's and, biblical inerrancy essentially. Yeah, yeah. And so, like Bart Ehrman, I know probably a podcast episode we can even talk about his work. I, I'd like to do it at some point because I'm like decently familiar with it. But the story he tells of how he went from being he went from being born again Christian all the way to atheist. Whoa! And the way it happened was this question, and he wrote a whole book on it. I think he called it God's problem you know, uh, where he's just talking about like the whole idea of like, there's a designer and a creator that's making this thing. We're supposed to, I guess, learn if there's a curriculum or serve or something, but the fact that there's so much suffering, he eventually just blew his, blew his beliefs out, like mm. blew his brain out on this, you know, and he just couldn't do it anymore well, for him, you know? Here's a question. And, you know, I don't know, who knows how much time we have to flesh it out, but if we're going to view, you know, we, we talk, I wrote this down in, our, in the notes here, like we talked about the problem with creative design, right? Is this suffering, right? This is the quote unquote problem with it, or at least to our, you know, perception. Well, I think like, no matter what, you have to kind of like figure out what you think that is. Sure. Mm-hmm. But then like, it, do, do people view God? And again, just, 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 just a question, you know, do people view God or we're going to call it the creative. I'm waiting designer. to see where this question's going to go. <laughs> Yeah, this is just a question. Whenever Daniel does this, then yeah. you're like, okay, hold on, wait a minute. So I'm sitting down, I'm holding on to the it, chair. All right. So if, if people view view God as a creative designer, then do they also view him or her or it or they or she or whatever as an active participant in that design as well? Because I am, you know, you know, God works in mysterious ways. God created the universe in this way or that way, you know, a thousand years evolution or seven days overnight or in a snap of a finger, I, you know, whatever, pick your story. With a, with a word. Right, with words. However, you know, it doesn't matter. It's here now. But then, you know, the question is, 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 is are they still, an, are, are they still or have they ever been an active participant? You know? I got interested in this question when I was like studying the Kabbalah really seriously and I stumbled across, it's an academic book. It was called uh, hide, hide my face or something like that. I'll find out the exact title for people who might be interested in it. We can pop it up on the show notes or something, you know, if you want to mm-hmm. do it, but um, it sort of asked that same question. And in the, in the 
literature, you know, in the Jewish literature, I think it was mostly focused on that. There is this idea that like God becomes more and more hidden over time. Mm. Right. So that's kind of the answer of like, well, wait a minute. If in our faith and our, uh, you know, uh, religious and thought system, God like split the Red Sea and like did all this stuff, you know, and what, why is that not happening now? Right. <laughs> we got problems. We could use the Red Sea split. We could probably use some other things. Like, what's up with that? And the idea in the book is like, there's a theological question that's asked by, you know, people thinking about this thing that basically goes, well, you know, the divine becomes more and more hidden over time. And the reason given is very Kabbalistic. And this, I was also reminded of these Kabbalistic things from what you were saying. So probably we can do this part of this thing. Um, the reason given is that it's giving more and more independence to the creation. Okay, I mm -hmm. started setting this thing up. Now it's up to you. You got to take over this. And it's kind of a free will allowing uh, freedom to create your own destiny. And even if it goes off the rails, I'm giving you the freedom to do that. Where in the beginning you'd have a more proactive God, and the Bible seems to be that way as time goes on. You know, God disappears more and more. Now, if you're like, if you're more like a, a a secular humanist person or something like that, you would go, well, that's because those old stories were written a long time ago, mm. <laughs> and you know, God was everywhere in these old stories before anyone was really recording this history. And by the time you get farther along, well, then the history becomes more and more accurate. And then you can't just say that all these miraculous events happened that never happened. <laughs> okay. One way of thinking about it, but the theological interpretation is that the divine becomes more and more hidden because it's allowing for the growth. And that's almost like God, like a parent or something, right? Right. Yes. Yes. Nurture in the beginning. And then eventually you kind of let the, and then the kid has to go and kind of find their own destiny. So, you know, they, it's funny you know. about that, Eric, calling it, calling, calling it a parent is that when I was in, um, when I was in undergrad, I went to North Park University, which is on the North side of Chicago. It's a Swedish covenant uh, school and they have a, you know, pastoral school there, seminary, so on and so forth. And I had to take a number of, you know, sort of theological courses, uh, one of which was a, a require, you know, the requirements, a couple of them. That's like the two or three classes. And the first one I took was a Bible study, and we had to write a paper at the end of it about any any story, you know, an Old Testament or New Testament. And I did one on the Old Testament uh, on Daniel, actually. Ironically enough. Mm -hmm. Right, why not? And, and I said how I talked about in my paper about how Daniel referred to God as his own father, uh, okay. but he did, mm -hmm. there was no mention of his own parent, of his parents in that story, you know, and oh, that he viewed okay. and that he viewed God like a father figure, like a parent, you know, and my teacher was like, I've never heard anybody take that approach before. Mm. And I was like, but well, it seems so obvious, doesn't it? You know, yeah, like yeah. it's, he's literally calling him father. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I think the, the part that's interesting is that he never refers to his own parentage. He just yeah. refers to the, the divine parentage as opposed to the human parentage, right? Yeah. 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 And so I guess that maybe from that perspective, then this point makes a lot more sense. As kids get older, they just inherit more freedom because of their ability to sort of manage their own affairs. Even if it's mismanaged. You know, the parent still has to allow the kid to go their own way, right? right. Otherwise, they don't have self-determination. If you try to dominate the kid the whole time. So if you had the ultimate divine parental figure, they'd eventually have to let you go, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's something I found satisfying in that. You know, I, I, mm. I could see, you know, for people who'd be like, hmm, yeah, that resonates with me. I can understand that. Man, I, you know, I tell you what, I'd love to have like 10 people from 10 different traditions that we could just add this question in particular right here, you know, like. Uh, but, well, I mean, it's like a, I thought about it a ton because it's the one that comes up natural. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've been interested in, like, I've always been like in this weird spot between traditions that are kind of like theistic and things that are not like you and mm. I are not anti-theists. Exactly. No. We're in some weirder space, whatever the hell we're doing with this, <laughs> whatever space we're creating with this. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's certainly like a, it's a hanging subject for me in this. Yeah. So in the, in the Kabbalah, the other thing that jumped out was in the, and this is, it does fit with this idea of like the divine becoming more hidden. And again, as I was really trying to understand what are these Kabbalists saying, there was like, you know, you're trying to understand a spiritual tradition. There's all kinds of parts to it. You need to try to understand, you know, if you're really going to try to get into it. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, but one of the big ideas was one of 
the the uh, the creation being a place again where you learn. Yes, but I, what came to mind when you were talking about your initial statements in the very beginning of the episode was it's a place where there's going to be resistance. You know, like there has to be resistance. And when I was talking with some of the you know Kabbalistic rabbis about this that I studied this with, you know, one in particular, Huda Grudman. Um, he was like, you know, but made it like a big point about this, that you need to have obstacles in order to grow. Right. And the whole of nature is like this. I mean, you do, um, you know, uh, personal training and stuff like that. It's been part of your career. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, if you don't have any weight, you don't get any resistance. You're not going to get any growth. Mm -hmm. Right. Something like that on a very basic level. And he would sometimes use this metaphor of like, if you were playing basketball, and no one played any defense, then you would just go and like score every time. <laughs> and the other person could go and score any time. And that would like be okay. <laughs> but it wouldn't be, you wouldn't get much better at basketball. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So, and that was the thing that he would use. Uh, maybe because he was in Chicago. <laughs> and, you know, we had the Bulls and all that, you know? So it was easy to talk about Michael Jordan and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, that's kind of the idea. You need to have a force of resistance. And in Kabbalistic thought, like that's the, that's the Satan is the force of resistance. It's not Satan like, you know, some demonic figure. Mm -hmm. They say Satan is the thing that creates the force of resistance. It's like the force of friction in nature and physics or something. There's something that's going to resist. That's always going to be there. And so in any of your activities, you're going to get resistance. And the purpose is to learn how to deal with and overcome that resistance. Right. Yeah, yeah. So this is another way of framing why they're suffering for sure. I had a, right? I had a, a, a sergeant of mine when I was in the army. He was Jamaican, actually. Um, and he was a staff sergeant. So he had some people underneath him and they would, you know, come to him with issues and they would say, you know, I forgot his name, but Sergeant so-and-so, we have a problem. And he would always say, no such thing as problems, only situations. Problems yeah. give you stress. Situations make you think. Ah, interesting. Okay, so that's that's a slant on that, right? That's mm -hmm. definitely within that situation. Now, that's true. I can't see any way that it isn't true. Whether it's part of the grand scheme and design of things, I don't know. You know, as time has gone on, yeah, I ask myself this question. But to like take that attitude seems correct. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's going to be resistance against any like anything worthwhile doing. You're probably going to have obstacles to overcome to like realize those things. Mm -hmm. You know, <clears throat> if things really have value. Yeah. In the Kabbalah, they kind of go a little further. They say this is actually the structure of reality. The structure of reality is such that, like, they use this metaphor of, like, um, which I guess they trace back to Solomon or something. Solomon talking about, like, uh, the, the kernel inside of the shell. Okay. Right? Inevitably, there's going to be the shell. Right. Or the skin that you have to work through in order to be able to get to the kernel. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, in that sense, anything that has value is intrinsically, Kabbalistically speaking, in this way of thinking about it, gonna have resistance around it. Mm. You know, the path of least resistance will probably be the one that isn't gonna give you the most benefit, Kabbalistically yeah. speaking. Yeah, It's the path that has more resistance that will give you more reward. Because as you go through, when you overcome that resistance, you grow as a being mm. through the overcoming of that resistance. But they say it's like hardwired into the universe. So the person that you really in love with won't be the convenient relationship. It's mm -hmm. not going to work that way. The person you really are in love with is you're probably going to have to try, you know, somehow you're going to have to do something to make that happen because the universe is asking you to do that, you know, yeah. to show those qualities. To yeah. Like, um, you know, to have a kid takes effort, right? Mm -hmm. You know, even as the mother to grow the kid inside and give birth takes effort and courage, right? To like be able to do that, you know, to like the career choice that you make, the easy one will probably not be the most rewarding one. The one that you do where you might have to like take a risk or, or really, you know, uh, push yourself in some new way that makes you a little bit more uncomfortable. So those are the ones that will be rewarding. Yeah. So it's kind of this metaphor like they use for this. And they kind of say like, that's the structure of nature and there's something compelling about that to me too mm -hmm. and it makes suffering a little bit different than the suffering is the natural force that you have to overcome in order to get to the get to, to get to the kernel right to get to the fruit you know when you have to rip away the skin you know if you just like 
well, that's too hard. I don't want to like peel this banana. <laughs> right. You never get the banana. <laughs> well, and it's like, you know, that statement, yeah. right? Anything, anything worth having is worth working for. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's kind of like that, that that's a Kabbalistic attitude towards this, right? Mm. It's, it frames the question differently. And I guess regardless, you know, you know, you get to this weird thing, like, is it metaphysically true? I don't know. Is it like spiritually useful? Yeah, I think it is. Mm. You know, I think there's something to be said about realizing like, that's a good attitude to take towards your life. Is the universe exactly wired that way? where every single thing that has value will necessarily have resistance around. I don't know, but I certainly have had the experience of going, okay, this is a, something that seems more rewarding, has more resistance. I'm going to take a Kabbalistic attitude towards this. Right. I'm going to try to overcome this resistance because that's probably where the reward will be. You know what I'm saying? I get it. Yeah. And they kind of like frame it like, you know, because usually you'll have some kind of origin story. Yeah. Like we, like we do with all of our, uh, all of our guests. Yes, we do an origin story. <laughs> so the origin story for the whole universe in part in Kabbalah is that the universe shattered. And um, all the good little things that like should like meet together, should be brought together are covered by these little husks, you know, spiritually speaking. So they have to be like, uh, you know, broken through. But what that mm. does is it forces you know, the individual beings that live within this creation to go through and learn how to do this. And in that case, they become mm. more and more powerful themselves. Mm. And it's kind of like the divine ways of divine's way of training people to become more self-sufficient, more self-reliant, more individually powerful to grow and develop as opposed to like, do it for me, God, you know, right. it would be more like, no, God will say, okay, there's a thing this has value. Will you go through the effort to find the value? That's I like a, that. I like, like that a Kabbalistic idea. attitude. I like mm -hmm. that idea. But then again, I'm a Capricorn. So of course I'm going to like that idea. <laughs> you want to chip away and make things better over time. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think there's something like, I don't know. When I first heard those things, I was like, yeah, this is very powerful. Mm. And again, you can kind of go, and this distinction I make and make sense to you, you can kind of go, well, is that absolutely true? I don't know. Right. But is that a powerful spiritual idea? I think it is. Yes. That's I mean, a powerful spiritual teaching. Yeah, because I mean, real, realistically, I mean, for me anyways, our perspective shapes our life. It shapes mm -hmm. our decisions. You know, the way that you see things is the way how it influ influences how you act, how you interact, you know? And if you have that as your idea or at the, you know, at the core of your idea, your ideals, then you do look at things as situations. Right. And it's how can you extract uh, that, you know, energy of activation you know, or cultivate that energy of activation through each various life situation, you know, and it becomes a, a longer journey as opposed to a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> Living these snicket. Yeah, I think there's like, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it seems all the time that you can, if you're thinking Kabbalistically, you can see people take paths of least resistance where they mm -hmm. think they're being like they think they're doing something i don't know what's the right word smart or practical or clever sure. and it's like that's not where the payoff is mm. you know and then it turns out that way that'd be the capitalist again yeah those kinds of things mm -hmm. um i guess the other person who's kind of interested in this is carl jung we haven't done carl jung episodes have not but he was really fascinated by this whole question and kind of like the book of job oh yeah we've talked about it a little bit before yeah, he was really interested in like, you know, if you don't know the book of Job, it's like uh, everything shitty happens to Job, <laughs> like possible. And the whole thing with Job kind of break and like forsake God or turn. And he doesn't, you know, but Jung was really interested in this whole question, right? Because there's a lot of suffering. It's like terrible, right? Yeah, I mean, he loses his phone. He gets locked out of his <laughs> Facebook and his Instagram. You know, <laughs> like... <laughs> He loses followers. It's so painful. Yeah, it's really bad. There's one instance where he loses a thousand followers in yeah. one hour. Yeah, one, one bad tweet. Yeah, one <laughs> just one tweet. He just, you know, picture of a donut and he didn't realize it, how offensive that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so anyways, like all this bad shit happens to him, but there, the character of like the Satan, Satan is in it. And, you know, God and Satan are like chatting in the, like the prelude to the book, right? And Satan goes like, I can, I can get this guy to turn on you. And mm. 
Scott's like, no, no, he's very loyal. <laughs> and they're like shooting the breeze. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, so he goes, no, I can do it. And then, you know, the whole thing starts and, you know, they start torturing the shit out of this guy. <laughs> it's not so strange. <laughs> I don't know. I'll like, when we do it, I'll have to give a re-listen to what Jung said all about this. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he was fascinated with this whole idea of like, well, what does that tell you about the nature of divinity or the, the way people think about God and what it means for suffering and all that. Right. All right. The only other last thing maybe I'll throw up before we start like, you know, like uh, closing this episode down on this point, because it like went in this way. That's what was interesting. Right. We're kind of looking mm -hmm. at like sources. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about it more next time, but I think there's the Taoist attitude as uh, like the creative thing. I think in Taoism, it's kind of like you were asking, does the divinity disappear or something like that? I think in Taoism, the attitude seems to be more like the, there's a source that's you know creating everything. The Tao, it's not usually thought of as a person, right? right? Yeah, you know, so right. we haven't done the Taoist thing, but but then it's more like in a Taoist attitude. The Tao creates mm -hmm. nature. Nature's pretty good. People fuck it up. <laughs> so in that case, the gears like uh, turn a different way. The own it os onus switches and it's more like uh you can't blame it on the dow you all fuck this stuff up all the time why are you blame it on the dow mm -hmm. you don't understand nature you think all dumb you don't want to like you know you do all this stuff that's destructive and harmful to yourself and others because you're not like it's your fault mm -hmm. <laughs> that's another place you can put the suffering right and you can say like it's that way which is probably a little bit more in line with the Buddhist thing too, ultimately. Not even in like necessarily a judgmental way, but certainly in Taoism, they sometimes go pretty hardcore about like, it's people. Yeah. It's people that screw it up. You know, and if you didn't screw it up, things would be much better and the percentage of your suffering would fall off considerably. Right. Right. So, I mean, I suppose it's a subject matter for next week for us to kick it around. Right. But I mean, that's the other attitude as far as like that I've seen as far as like sources. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, I don't know, what's your, do you have an emotional reaction to that one? It's like less inspiring somehow. Yeah, for sure. But it's also very true. <laughs> so it depends on how you feel about that. Do you find it less inspiring? Uh, yeah, because I mean, I guess I, until we kind of go through and talk about the ways through, right? Like, okay, you, it, it's all your fault basically which you could say, well, that sucks. Or you could also say, well, that's empowering because if it is my fault, well, then that means that I also have the cure. Well, it's, my favorite, it's my favorite subject matter and we'll, we'll do it next time, but it's basically where I have like the biggest doubts and I want to talk about them around this whole Buddhist thing of where suffering comes from. Because a lot of times in Taoism, they say, it's the society that will fuck you up. Mm. And you have to realize that that's what's happening. Mm that's the epiphanous moment to realize wait a minute i got taught bad shit i gotta back out and reframe this and then my life will get better and this i mean this really is obviously that's like a big thing for me <laughs> and no, for sure well so, i mean in all of these episodes and you too yeah that's the that's the seed of the podcast yeah really right but you know we don't do the political stuff is you know not that we don't have ideas about this or that or the supreme court or you know this idiot senator or you know whatever congress dummy you know i won't even give him the, the the dignity of calling him a person um is because things like this transcend political affiliations ideological affiliations they come before philosophers and religious folk and spiritual minded people have been asking these questions for far longer than jordan peterson you know, or, yeah, yeah. you know, Ben Shapiro or Anna Kasparian or whoever your favorite, you know, uh, political person is political yeah. person is nowadays. And so, you know, I think to try and, and take take these things head on is not just our work, but it's the work of any significant spiritual tradition. That's they're looking at the, the, the aspects of life and saying, OK, Let's talk about them. Let's think if about we're gonna it. do it. If we're going to do it serious, right? If we're going to yeah. do it as a serious project and we're being serious as a hurricane, mm -hmm. this thing, right? To quote uh, Rock M, mm -hmm. <laughs> one of our favorite rappers, old school, mm -hmm. right? This is serious as a hurricane. We're trying to do this, right? We're trying to take this serious. 
And Rakim yeah. is a rap god, so he knows. You know? Yes, <laughs> it's wisdom. <laughs> he's not only a rap god, he's a microphone fiend. That's right. <laughs> and he ain't no joke. He's no. let the mic smoke. Now he slams it when it's done. He makes sure it's broke. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So anyways, that wasn't my best Rakim imitation for sure. Um, but uh, 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 anyway, so I mean, I think like I mean, uh, bigger subject matter, but if I, you know, the one thing we wanted to cover was, you know, this question that you wanted, like certainly wanted to bring up from the very beginning of this conversation. What's the source of this and like different ways of talking about where the source of this is coming from? Me too. And if I look at it, like what my major doubt is which i guess will be probably part of the lead of the next episode when we do it is like mm -hmm. this societal question mm -hmm. and i like there's i've been talking with a lot of people about this and i had even uh uh you know email exchanges students listener of the podcast we were kind of writing back and forth a little about this this question really bothers me about like uh tantric buddhism buddhism itself i'm a little bothered by this question because we don't see the causes of suffering and uh um and Taoism, they're pretty blunt you know, they'll just say like, yeah, like the human, the human world gets toxic. Mm. And, you know, that's what's really happening. So I got like the Chuangzi quote here, maybe as a, as a preview. So Chuangzi is one of the great Taoist philosophers. And he says, the effect of life in society is to complicate and confuse our existence, <laughs> mm. making us forget who we really are by causing us to become obsessed with what we are not straight up Twangza. So maybe that's the, like, you know, I'll, I, you know, my hope, but like, well, I'm time probably to do it this week, but when we do it in the next episode, then we'll continue on with this whole subject matter. It's just like, yeah, to try to address that. Because when you look through those causes of Buddhist suffering, they never say that so bluntly. You know what I mean? And I'm, I have lots of questions about it. So well, foreshadowing for, shadow. for, future, for, for future, future episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Well, I think this is a good, this is a good conversation. You know, yeah, it went in ways I wasn't expecting, but I, I love it when it goes in ways that we aren't expecting. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's nice. it's nice. It's nice. It's it's natural and and I think it's useful. You know, it's um, these are these, like I said, like these are philosophical questions that transcend society, that transcend ideologies, that transcend time, because it's always this. You know, it's the same questions. You know, that you know people who are, i think are trying to get a different perspective to help themselves with you know make it through their own lives in a different way uh you have to address these questions actually you, you have to think about them yeah, and, i can't see any way around that right mm -hmm. yeah. right i know i was i was working with somebody earlier and he said that he was um a waiter at a restaurant way back when he's in his 50s now but he said when he was like in his 16 17 18 he worked at a restaurant in chicago and uh, one of the women who was a waitress there came from Turkey and she said that she used to go to her work. She used to go to work with her father at the age of 10 and they were making bricks. That was, that's what they did, you know, which is not uh, easy labor, but she said they would sing all day long. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, you know, taking this kind of like difficult job this sort of mundane repetitious experience and making something more out of it than what it is, is a way to address this question, right, is a way to address why is this so shitty, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, no matter what, and this has actually been from the very first episode of this podcast we recorded, which was like in the 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 mad beginnings of the whole pandemic, we started recording this thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's been obviously difficult the whole time through, but, you know, in the beginning, it was like no one knew, right? Mm -hmm. But we always wanted to keep acknowledging that no matter what, if you have situations that are difficult, this is the healthy way to do this, mm -hmm. right? So if you are stuck in a situation where you got to make bricks to sing your way through that, even if that's unfair that you have mm -hmm. to make these fucking bricks, <laughs> mm -hmm. it still is like a way of like coping and like doing something that's positive for your own spirit in a situation that is unfortunate or maybe unfair or yeah. whatever it still is a way of protecting your own spirit yeah 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 no it's yeah. true it's a yeah. it's very true so yeah so it fits here so yes. <laughs> awesome all right thanks Daniel. well eric as always thank you so much my yeah. friend yeah it's a really great conversation i mean they all are but sometimes we get you know we have some some free-flowing ones and you know i hope the audience enjoys it you know if you're watching us on video you know what's happening good to good to see me again <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, and if you're checking us out through the audio, you know, definitely appreciate it. Uh, as always, if you found our work useful, please feel free to share. Please feel maybe even obliged, actually, at this point. <laughs> Um, you know, we do love the feedback. Uh, hit us up at ginandtantra at gmail.com. You can find us on the Instagram under Gin and Tantra. Now on YouTube, uh, Gin and Tantra podcast website being worked on. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing this video thing with the audio still available wherever you find your podcast. If you're listening to us on Apple, go ahead and uh, leave a review. Leave a little, you know, five star daily. It helps out the show. Uh, yeah, as always, thank you so much, Eric. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks everyone. For Eric, this is Daniel. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace. I want you to get together. I want you to get together. Put your hands together one time. I want you to get together. I want you to get together.